You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. All right, so like we said, we've been in the Psalms, uh, calling this series Exploring the Psalms. And if you notice, we haven't really been going in order. It's not like we started at Psalm 1. I mean, technically we did. We, start, we did Psalm 1 at the very beginning of the year, but um, for this series, we're just kind of all over the place. The Psalms, um, and, and it's not like we're ever going to get to the end of the Psalms, like we're going to do all 150 and then say, all right, we're done with the Psalms. The idea uh, for this series, I think, is at least to you know, explore them, give us language, uh, give us biblical language to rely on, to see uh, how they relate to our lives, and to kind of just rest in them a little bit. Um, the Psalms are great. You know, they have uh, great application to our lives. They give us great language for the things we're feeling and seeing. And, um, you know, they're, they're used throughout the Scriptures, and Jesus uses the Psalms heavily, and we're going to see that today. Um, and it's just a great practice. In fact, there are three types of psalms. Um, well, Walter Brueggemann says there's basically three types of psalms, and I agree with him. And that's always a great thing, right, when uh, a world-class scholar agrees with you on something. It's like, good job, Walter. I'm glad you came to see it my way. Uh, you ever do that? One of your friends on Facebook, they, they post an expert, and they're like, see, this is what I've been saying. Somebody agrees with me. But Walter Brueggemann, if you're familiar with him, he, he does a lot of work on the Psalms, and he has a book about praying through the Psalms, and it's really good. I encourage you, if that's something that interests you, to look it up. It's really good. But he's, he basically says uh, the Psalms are broken down into three different types of Psalms. Uh, psalms of orientation, Psalms of disorientation, and Psalms of reorientation. And so what he means by orientation is like, Okay, we, we, we're given the world as it is. It's great. It's lovely. We love the world and everything in it. And then there's Psalms of disorientation where, okay, that doesn't make sense anymore. The world as I was given it no longer makes sense. Things are in disarray. Things have fallen apart. They're suffering. Uh, what I was originally presented is no longer true, right? You could think of it as deconstruction. We talked about that a couple months ago. And then the last type of psalm is the psalm of reorientation, or what I like to call new creation, right? Yes, things are in disarray. Yes, they're suffering. Yes, things are not quite right. But God is still good. There's still hope. Things are moving in the right direction because God is good. And today we're going to look at a couple of those. Actually, we're going to look at one. But before we get that, we're actually going to go to the New Testament. Uh, Mark 15, if you have a Bible and if you want to turn there, or Bible app. And we're going to look at uh, Jesus is actually quoting the, psalm, the Psalms here. And um, in fact, this whole uh, chapter is reflective uh, of Psalm uh, 22, right? Uh, you see the same language, right? The, the biblical... Uh, Jesus is calling on this psalm. He's calling back to it. He's showing how he is fulfilling it. He's using the language of it and uh, for very specific reasons. But let's just take a look at it so you can see what, I, what I'm talking about. All right, Mark 15, starting in verse 21, says, A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Gotha, which means the place of the skull. 
There they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him, dividing up his clothes. They cast lots to see what each would get. It was in nine in the morning when they crucified him, and the written notice of charge against him read, the king of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. And those who had passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, so you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked, mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let, them, let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land and until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema shabbat. I can't say that word. Uh, you might as well just uh, say, you know, shamalam uh, ding dong, right? I can't, I can't pronounce it. It says, <laughs> sorry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's what it means. Disorientation, right? Disarray. Old creation dynamics. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? And if you remember, and we'll stop there in terms of, of, of Mark 15, but if you remember uh, a couple months ago, we had like a speaker series, and one of the speakers, Nathan, uh, he showed a diagram of all the connections in the Bible. Did anyone remember, was anyone here for that? It was pretty, and if we have it, we'll put it up there. If we don't, that's fine. But um, it showed all the different, yeah, that one. You guys remember this? So he was showing all the different connections in the Bible from one end to the other, right? How... Uh, the different books will quote the other parts of the Bible just tons and tons, right? And this is really amazing and beautiful tapestry that we, we get in the Bible with all these connections, right? Um, and when you start to look at them, uh, this is really beautiful. But actually, when I start to get into it, what it feels more like is this, if, if we have that second picture, James. That's what it feels like to me. <laughs> When, when, you're, when you start to get into it and start to peel back these layers, it's like, oh my gosh. And you start to become a crazy person. Like if you come to our grow group, I like try to put some of these together and they just look at me like, okay, Paul, take your pills and uh, go to sleep. Uh, <laughs> but that's what it feels like. And that's what God is doing here. And, and it's this really beautiful testament to his faithfulness and to his uh, mystery and into his uh, creative skill. And, and putting all these th- pieces together. Because this last line of the sentence, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's actually the first line of Psalm 22. And um, it's actually what we call a remez. And a remez, and we've talked about this before, it's like a, it's a rabbinic tool uh, to call back to something in the scriptures, to bring your mind back to something in the scriptures. And they'll quote the one part of it, but they want you to think about the whole part of it, not just that one line. And you, we kind of do this in our culture, but not quite to that extent. But, for example, if I were to say, when in Rome, you guys can finish. Okay, you guys are letting me down. <laughs> Rome wasn't built in a... Uh, you know, I didn't have to finish since you guys were called to mine, right? Money doesn't grow on... You guys are getting better. Like father, all right, an apple a day, all right, birds of the feather, stick together or flock together. You guys are a little off. If you can't stand the heat, nope, don't, yeah, (laughs) 
stole the punchline, Brian. All right, yeah, don't, don't get in Southern California. But that's what we're doing. That's what we see here in Psalm 22 and, and, and Mark 15. Uh, Jesus uses the language of the psalm to express his disorientation there on the cross, right? This disarray, right? And today is a, is a it's an interesting day to talk about this because, you know, we were, it's 9-11, it's the 21-year anniversary, a, a day of, you know, huge disarray for our country, a huge suffering. Um, you know, there's so much disorientation associated, especially uh, when we were living through it on, on the actual day. Um, so this is a psalm of disorientation, at least part of it is, and we're going to see what I mean by that. But let's ro- go ahead and read through it. It is kind of long, so bear with me. And let's see where, where we can land. All right, it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What Jesus just quoted. Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out day by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises, and your ancestors put their trust. And you, our ancestors, put their trust. They trusted you and delivered them. Then you, they cried, to you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm, not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. You can see why Jesus is calling back to this entire psalm, right? right? He's, he's living out the language of this psalm. But I am a worm, not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults at me. Who would we just see? The thieves on the cross hurling insults. The people walking by hurling insults, shaking their heads. He trusts the Lord, they said. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. We even see that language from the Roman centurions, right? Saying that to Jesus. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Again, disorientation, right? Disarray, suffering. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open, their mouths wide against me. If you remember, we talked about Bashan a few months ago as well, right? That represents the powers and the principalities uh, that are coming against the kingdom of God, right? Um, And if you don't remember that, that's okay. Just a side note. Uh, I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a a pot's herd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me like a pack of villains, and a pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet, right? All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them, and they cast lots for my garment. So you see this, right? This is like the, entire, the entirety of what we're, we just saw in Mark 15, right? It's this beautiful uh, callback. That Jesus is embodying, right? It's amazing. And in fact, Matthew Matthew shows the same parallels. You can go through and see them. You can line up, you know, Psalm 22 and Mark 15 and see all the parallels. And this is a really amazing thing. And 
you know, when we look at that story, we think about God suffering, you know, Jesus suffering on that cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is true, right? It feels like God has betrayed him. And we, we, we can encompass that as well. It feels, there are times in our lives where it feels like God has betrayed us or we feel abandoned. And we, we use that language, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me, right? But the beautiful thing that Jesus is also showing, right? Not showing that you can suffer, showing that you can express that emotion, showing that you can be in those moments of disorientation, right? Those moments of disarray. But with this being a remez, remember, he's calling us to the wholeness of Psalm 20, not, not to just that line, right? That's what the, the rabbinical teachers are doing, right? When, when they quote that, he means for you to look at the whole of Psalm 22. Psalm 22 just doesn't just end there, right? It goes on because that first part is all disorientation, but the second part of Psalm 22 turns to new creation, turns to reorientation, this other type of psalm that we talked about. So let's keep reading. It's a little long. But you, Lord, starting at verse 19, but you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life, from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of lions. Save me from the horns of wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people in the assembly. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him but he has listened to his cry for help. So there on the cross, we have disorientation, right? My God, my God, you have forsaken me. But the other part of that, the other side of that is, he's heard you. He's not forsaken you, right? He's heard the cry of help. From you come, verse 25, from you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. For, for the, before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nation will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over all the nations. And this is even a call forward, right, to the Great Commission and what God is accomplishing, right, in his kingdom. He's going to take and make disciples of all the nations, and all the rich of the earth will feast and worship, and all who go down to the dust will kneel before him, those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. And this part, do you know where this part also refers back? This also is in Mark 15 and in the Gospels. It is finished, that's right. That's right. It doesn't show up in Mark 15, but in, in John, John quotes that part of the psalm, right? He had his finish. So John recognized the same language. They just didn't include it in the other ones, but John saw it too. He was like, oh, oh, no, no. He's also quoting the other part of this psalm. It is finished. He has done it, right? And, and if you think about what comes next, right, we have this whole part of Psalm 22, which is disorientation, this disarray, it's suffering. It's God has betrayed me, right? And then we transition to this last part of Psalm 22 where it's reorientation, it's new creation. It's coming out the other side of that. But what does it lead into? It also leads into 
What's the next psalm? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? This beautiful narrative and story that God is laying before us about his faithfulness and his ability to show up and get things done. It is finished. Right? So we go through the motions, right? And the Psalms give us this language to be in disorientation, to be in disarray. But they also give us hope on the other side of that, right? We think about, you know, those early days of 9-11. We, were <laughs> we didn't know what was going on. We didn't know where we were going to war. I mean, I was, uh, I was a senior in high school or junior, I don't know. But uh, we had teachers telling us, you guys are going to be drafted. We're going to war. <laughs> you know now that there are soft, you can go up to sophomores in uh, college. They were not born yet when 9-11 happened at this point. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. That means you're all old if you are all old. Right? So we get these seasons of disorientation. But one of the things I, I, you know, that's interesting about 9-11 is in all that disorientation, there's also great stories of heroism and hope and beauty through it all, through all the ashes and through all the fire and through all of the destruction. There's just story after story of people who, yes, were in disorientation, but ended up being able to fight through that and come out the other side and help other people through it. In fact, one of my favorite stories from 9-11 is uh, the story of the man in the red bandana. Does anyone know that story? None of you? So there's, um, uh, he was 24, his name's Wells Crowder, and as, a, as six years old, his, his grandfather gave him a red bandana to, to use because I guess he had a sneezing problem and wanted him to have something to wipe his nose with. But they made, a, like, Wells, like, adopted this red bandana like he was like hey this is cool and it became a thing for him for the rest of his life his parents were always trying to get him to stop wearing his red bandana he wore it for the rest of his life right he was known as the man in the red bandana well he was in the tower tower two the day of 9-11 and uh, on the 78th floor and uh, they took lots of damage and uh, he helped uh, like several people get up, and he found the only working stairwell. He led several of them down. And in fact, he found the, the actual... He wanted to be a fireman, actually. That was like his lifelong dream. He hadn't achieved it yet. But he led a group of people, a first group of people, down the stairwells that was still working. And the fire department found them. They led them to uh, a working elevator to get out. And those people got out. And he could have been done, right? His job was done. He did what he did. But he actually went back up 17 floors and started helping more people get him, come down. And uh, his parents didn't even know about it until like months later when they started coming to reports of all the heroism and, and people were talking about the man in the red bandana and they knew it was their son immediately. In fact, he was found in the rubble uh, among firefighters uh, fulfilling his dream. But I, what I think is so beautiful about his story is... Uh, what people have said that he said, right? So after, you know, some of the debris cleared and they, they were all kind of gathering themselves, he, he, uh, he, he figured out, you know, we got to get out of here. So he stood up and he, he, he shouted to the room that he was in, in the tower, and he said, if you can stand up, stand up. If you're able, help somebody. 
And that's what he did. In the midst of all that disorientation, he stood up and he helped people, right? And there's just so many stories like that of people on this day, and this is a tough day to have to, to preach on, right? What, what do you say? Uh, what do you talk about? But there are so many stories of people, whether they explicitly said this was the reason they were doing it or not, but they followed after Jesus and what he did on the cross, right? They willingly stood up and laid down their lives for other people that day. And that's, that's really, you know, when we talk about these psalms of disorientation, yes, thank God uh, that we have this language and we have this example, even of Jesus, of being in these seasons of disorientation. And, and the beautiful thing about these remez and this connection back to the Psalm 22 is that we don't have to stay there. We don't have to uh, be stuck in disorientation. New creation is here. or Reorientation is available, right? That's why we call back to that entire psalm. Our God has done it, right? It is finished. God is faithful. Because at the end of the day, right, we follow a Savior who goes to the cross, to the place of disorientation, right, the place that is betrayal, that feels like betrayal, and, and he does what he says. He delivers. And um, I don't have a lot for you guys today other than I want you to think about um, where you are, whether you're in disorientation or maybe you're in orientation or reorientation or you move towards new creation, and wherever you are, right, stand up if you can and help somebody, right? What we were talking about that, uh, Jason, if you see something, do something. That is the story of our God and of, of going to the cross, of laying down his life and being a person who is willing to stand up and help people, and save people. Amen? Um, the band can come back up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up and, um, and, and pray for us. But today, whether you're, wherever you are, uh, as we go through these psalms, I'd encourage, and I, already, I'm, I won't give you a homework assignment, Gresh, you already did that. Um, but you can use the Psalms, right, to give you language. The, the Psalms and, and the biblical literature have been used for years, especially if you think about our country. Um, our, our leaders rely heavily on biblical language for their speeches. Um, you think about Abraham Lincoln. I mean, he, he used the Bible and Shakespeare as his main tools of education. All of our presidents rely uh, heavily on the biblical language, and so did Jesus, Right? That he, he, he embraced the Psalms, he used the Psalms to give language to our disorientation, to our reorientation, to old creation space and new creation space. So that's why we're going through the Psalms, to help give you language to wherever you're going through, right? Whether it's in disorientation and suffering, or whether you're coming out the other side of that. And whether you're coming out the other side of that, or whether you're in it, let's stand up, acknowledge it, and help people through it, right? Father, we thank you for uh, bearing the cross, for giving us the example of suffering gracefully, and giving us the example of how we can die to ourselves, 
even when it feels like you've betrayed us. And there are times like that, and it feels like that. And sometimes we're stuck in it. We're stuck in that disorientation. But there's another side of that that's coming. Reorientation of new creation. Where you have done it. It is finished. You're opening up your heavens and your mercy and your grace for everyone, whether they're suffering on the cross right now, suffering wherever they are, that there is a new day coming and has come Mm -hmm. and is still coming. A new day where we will declare to people yet unborn that our God has done it. That our God is faithful, even through suffering. Even in the midst of disorientation, when we can't see the other side, there is a day coming where we'll declare, like the psalm says, to generations yet unborn, our God has done it. Our God is faithful. Lord, help us to have the strength to stand and to count for something in your kingdom and to die with you on that cross. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.